on it. I took a piece of uh, printer paper. I just started drawing, um, sketching out how I wanted the book to look. And originally I drew my torso, like the torso of my body with the uniform jacket that I had that we had to wear. So I drew it out and colored it and everything. So it was gonna be just a picture of my torso with the jacket over it. And then of course the title across my chest. And that's, and that's the original idea I came up with. And I was just showing it to people like, oh yeah, that's hard, it's hard. I showed it to my brother, he was like, you know what I'm saying? He didn't like really say it was fire, like he liked it enough. He was like, he saw, he's like, okay, I see what you're going. I feel like it'll be harder if it was an actual picture. As soon as he said that, I'm like, that would be awesome. I can't, I need that jacket in order for me to do that, but I can't get that jacket. That jacket was in Beijing Jail 6. I'm like, I don't even know how I'm going. So I was just, I'm just brainstorming. I'm like, I, I have to recreate the jacket. I'm like, I got to figure out the material. I got to find out, um, at least find a jacket that had the similar material that the, yeah. to the one that we wore in Beijing Jail 6. And ironically, my brother had a Dickies jacket, you know what I'm saying, in his closet. Yeah. And I just looked at the jacket, and I'm just like, hold on, bro. I'm feeling it. Look at the, I opened up the inside. I'm like, brother, this is the exact. <laughs> I'm like, this is how the jacket felt on the outside. This is how it was on the inside. Only difference was the jacket was Velcro in the jail versus it being a zipper. To overcome, you must educate. Educate not only yourself, but educate anyone seeking to learn. We are all dead America. We can all learn something. To learn, we must challenge what we already understand. The way we do that is through conversation. Sometimes we have conversations with others. However, some of the best conversations happen with ourselves. Reach out and challenge yourself. Let's dive in and learn something right now. Today we're speaking with Chancellor Jackson. He is a 15-time best-selling author on Amazon. His first book, 14 Days in Beijing, leads us into a great conversation with Chancellor. Chancellor, could you please introduce yourself? Let people know just a little more about you, please. What's going on, Ed? How you doing, bro? Um, blessings and balance to everyone that's tuning in. Um, appreciate y'all for show. My name is Chancellor K. Jackson um, from Atlanta, Georgia, born and raised, um, played football, vast majority of my life. Uh, so I got to play in high school and in college all four years. After I, my football career came to the end, I was like, well, what's next? <laughs> you know, so I, I really had no plan B. Um, so I knew I needed to start somewhere. So I just started the, uh, the job search. Um, and I was mainly applying for positions in the corporate field. So sales, marketing, management, you know what I'm saying? That whole nine. And I was landing interviews. I'm talking about getting flown out, put up in hotels, the whole nine. But I just could not seem to land a position. Um, I interviewed with various companies for various positions. And I did this for about eight months. And I was at a cross. I done graduated. I'm back home. Just like, damn, bro, I done did everything, quote, unquote, the textbook way. And I ain't got nothing going. 
Um, but I knew I was like, if I quit, I'd never be shit. So that wasn't an option. Um, so continued the uh, job search, but broadened my search and switched fields. Um, so I just started looking into social work. Cause I'm like, Chaz, you good at talking to people, working with people. Um, that's probably where you need to be. You know what I'm saying? So, um, and while I was doing my job search, I saw a tab in one of the filters. Um, it was for an international. And I was like, damn, why haven't I ever thought to look outside the U.S. for opportunities? So, so I went to see what was cracking overseas. And that's when I seen uh, the position to teach English to children in China. Okay, that sounds lit right there. The requirements were basic. Bachelor's degree, no matter what your degree is in. Uh, clean background, native English speaker. I was like, oh, bet. That's me to a T. <laughs> I apply, uh, and all I had to do was submit a resume. And so I hear back from the recruiter, set up an interview. We do the interview, a few days pass. Recruiter reaches back out to me. It's like, we want to move forward with you as a candidate. So after eight months of just trial and error, the first job to tell me is on the other side of the world. Um, so that's how I ended up in China. <laughs> Um, I was out there for six months. I was supposed to do a year total um, before I got locked up. And after I was, you know what I'm saying, once I was arrested and then, you know what I'm saying, detained, uh, and after I was released, I was immediately deported from the country. Um, started writing 14 Days Beijing. And then once I released 14 Days Beijing, I was writing the number one new bestseller in three, in three different genres. Um, continued to push the, push the book and promote the book. And that's when I got into life coaching, coaching at-risk teens in my county. And we use 14 days in Beijing as part of our lessons to pull our life skills from. Um, I could still teach and coach. I started my own publishing company, which all my books are published through. Um, I have a car rental business now. Um, rent cars out on Turo. Um, yeah, man, just running a couple of marathons, trying to get established, just down to earth dude. You know what I'm saying? Humble. Doing it. Yeah, man, just it. Uh, Right. Try to get it out the mud. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a it's an interesting story that you have, Chancellor. You you go from a collegiate football player to uh Beijing prisons. Okay. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. Now it's obvious you got uh in the prison because of marijuana. You know, so Let's let's travel back to the first time you got into marijuana. What 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 got you into marijuana to begin with? Well, so I didn't really started smoking for real, for real to my senior year of college, and pretty much. Oh wow! Uh, yeah, yeah, I was yeah. So of course, growing up, oh come on, man, I'm from Atlanta. I had yeah. PA smoking in middle school, you know what I'm saying? So help me, but I just never really saw the point in it. And then it was times where I did try it early on. And I'm talking about I smoked with one of my, my buddies and I wouldn't get high. I don't know if the weed was trash or you know what I'm saying? My, I don't know what was yeah. going on. The time that I always smoked like twice. Um and I, the two times that I did so, I'm like, bro, this is stupid. This is what y'all doing. Y'all wasting y'all time. Y'all be waking up early just to do this and go to like this. Cool. <laughs> um, but it wasn't until college. Of course, when, once you go to college, then start to experiment and find yourself more. Um, so I had peers that that part took it, and it wasn't until 
Um, we it was spring break actually. My shoot, ooh, sophomore year, I want to say. We was back home. All my buddies from college, I brought him back home to Atlanta. And we was at Georgia State. I knew a girl that worked there. So we was hanging out with her and her friends in their dorm. And uh, we had smoked. And that was probably like the first time I enjoyed it. I was like, okay, I see why people do this. But it really wasn't until I smoked and listened to music. And once I just like, the music just enhanced. I was, like, I was hearing every element within the, you know what I'm saying, the song we was listening to. It was Travis Scott. That's what we was listening to, Travis Scott. And I was like, oh, my, this is amazing. And that's what made me fall in love with, with cannabis. Like, I just, that's my favorite thing, you know what I'm saying? Now, just smoke and listen to music. <laughs> for real, for real. Like, that's my favorite. But yeah, that's how I got introduced to it. Yeah, I, I my first introduction was uh, at nine years old. So I, I've taken a journey down that cannabis road, sure. <laughs> So it's interesting that you get into this situation where you can actually go over to China. Uh, yeah. It's one of those cultural things, you know, everybody wants to understand what it's like. Yeah. So what what is China like, you know, in, in its culture, yeah. per se? Uh, because listening to some of the narration of your book, there's a cleanliness issue and all of these. Is this culture-wide or was that based inside the prison itself? Yeah, that's culture-wide. Um, China is a very interesting place. It's, it's life as it is here in America or wherever you may be. Um, it's still life, everyday life. People wake up, go to work, kids go to school. You know what I'm saying? It's still that same, you know what I'm saying? It's the size of the world. Um, it's just... Different. <laughs> it's still the same thing, but it's just different. Um, the people are—I just say—they're just confined to China. Pretty much all they know is China. A lot of them haven't been outside of China. Some of them ain't been outside their little town that they was born in, and it's similar to here in America. You got people that ain't never left. Yeah. So it's very like it's still similar. So it's like with just. Those that have been exposed to only a certain amount, that's all they know. So when they do come up across something that's different or a taboo in comparison to where they're from, it's just like this culture shock or just this this uh, paradigm shift. It's like, whoa, okay, you know what I'm saying? But all in all, it's still life as we would see it here. Um, it's just uh, it's a lot more disciplined and a lot more strict over there. Of course, it's a communist country, so you know I mean there there are rules and. You must abide by them. There's no, they have a saying, there's no why in China. You know what I'm saying? Here in on the West of the world, we just can't do nothing. And just because we're getting told to do it, no, we need some explanation, a little, we need some evidence, some, yeah, that's right. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> you just, <up>. yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah, no, there's no why in China. <laughs> we tell you, yeah, yeah, that's how they are. But all in all, I enjoy every minute of my time in China, the people were, they were cool. Where some of them, you know what I'm saying, that weren't used to seeing people of color, at least from my experience, they would just ask me questions. And there was just this pure curiosity. Cause like, okay, this is what I just know from the media, stereotypes. So now they compare and contrast. Okay, what, how, how are you in comparison to what I've seen in the media? You know what I'm saying? That's all they want to do. And it's the same, vice versa. Well, it is the same vice versa. Like we know anything about these trash. 
Yeah. yeah. So like you know saying, so once you get over that, it's just like, okay, you know what I'm saying? We cool. It's all peace, love, prosperity. You cares, I'm cares. I bet. Um, and so I misconstrued uh ideas we have of the Chinese. Like, not everybody's educated, not everybody's smart. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Common sense ain't common. You know what I'm saying? That's the same as over here. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Now the hygiene is different. They go there, how they go about hygiene is completely different than how we do it up here in the US. Like in China, we had to um, go to hospitals and get like physicals and stuff. Like they, they in the hospital, like they're drawing blood from your arm and the nurse that has drawn blood from you ain't got no gloves on, like nothing, no mask on, no nothing. She with her bare hands on your skin. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, that was different. Um, they don't wash their hands. A lot of the public restrooms don't have soap. Um, so people ain't washing their hands, you know what I'm saying? They doing what they do and then they going about their business. Even when you in restaurants, you know what I'm saying? The bathroom ain't got no soap. Yeah. So you already know, if you see the chef or somebody from, from that kitchen, leave out that bathroom, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you already know what's going on, you know what I mean? Yeah. Even school I work, yeah. Gotta be tough. Yeah. Well, even school I work, and they ain't, they no soap in the bathroom or toilet paper. You know what I mean? So it was like, they gave us staff members, like teachers, they gave us our own personal soap and toilet paper. But far as the students and the rest of the faculty, like the janitors and stuff, I'm like, I don't know how they, I don't know what they were doing. I mean, I got an idea and ain't got none. So it's really, you know what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah. I just said, so you can only imagine. There's no soap either. <laughs> and then it was, I was there during the winter. So you, you got the flu season and the kids already nasty in general. <laughs> so it was like, it was, it, it, yeah, it was, but I I ain't get sick. My one time I was out there, you know what I'm saying? Immune system strong. You know what I mean? So that's right. That was smooth. The food was fire. I think Chinese food, man, it's nothing like Americanized or Westernized Chinese food. Um, it's completely different, and it's 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 really really good. It's delicious and it's healthy for you too. Yeah. And yeah, it's it's it's, it's, it's a lot of differences. You know what I'm saying? They don't excuse me or just common courtesy. There's no, you know what I'm saying? That, that ain't not, nah, they don't, if you in the way, they will move you out of the way. <laughs> like, as if you, um, uh, 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 you know what I'm saying? Just aggressive. Um, but like not trying to be aggressive. They just, it's like, you're completely oblivious. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. All of that, it's, it's a different world over there whole different world of course the language and you know, nobody look like you or speak your language you know what i'm saying N none of that um but yeah i enjoyed every minute every every minute even going out like the nightlife the nightlife in china oh man christ <laughs> it's uh -huh. about interesting yeah so so what was it like uh you not knowing a lot of chinese language mandarin uh, what was it like to emerge yourself in the culture and be that fly on the wall, basically, just sitting back, observing, and, you know, really absorbing what's going on? I feel a little like any foreigner here. And that's something yeah. most of us that are from here probably never will get to experience or haven't even gotten to experience. Like, it's one thing you on vacation someplace different. That's different, but now nah, you go move right someplace and like not fully submerged in this. Oh yeah, you'll see how any foreigner feels, man. You you ain't strong in that language. You they get to talk, it's like oh wow, 
<laughs> I don't know what's been around me. It's like, man, well, despite how much you may have studied, it's, not, it's still not completely, it's not going to be the same. You know what I'm saying? How you learning versus somebody that's speaking in a native, native, natural tongue with the, their slang and their accent. Oh, man, what? It's okay. Yeah. I see how it is. Yeah. Man, I see how it is. Like, this is not easy <laughs> to go. You know, That's an experience. Oh, yeah, for sure. You know what I'm saying? And even being, um, even with the Chinese people, like, some that were, they had a little bit of, uh, they know a little bit of English. They were still so subconscious just to try to use it just because they weren't proficient at it. And I'm like, shit, bro, I ain't proficient in your language either, but, hey, I'm going to work my one the best that I can. It's nothing you should be ashamed of, but that's just how they are. They're very prideful and they want to make sure they're going to put on a showcase they're going it's going to be absolutely stellar you know what i'm saying it's going to be a, the best performance you've ever seen um but they really went hard to uh exist and move and you've said work my one out there because mainly i ain't really kicking it with foreigners i'm with other i mean i'm not kicking with no native people i'm kicking with foreigners people that speak english so right of course, to them, I could just speak. Now, when I'm out and about trying to get stuff, I knew I took it upon myself to learn, start learning some of the language before I went out there. So I knew just enough to get by. You know what I mean? Work my way. Now, how, as far as having a full in-depth conversation like you and I are having, it's quiet. It's not happening. <laughs> it's not happening. Yeah. But I knew just enough just to work my way. And that's all I really needed. And plus, with technology, they got all these different apps that can translate for you. So really, that was, it was really smooth when it came to just communicating with, yeah, I mean, uh, society out there. Interesting. Did you did you ever go beyond the city into the urban areas, the rural areas? I mean, and uh, experience any of that culture? No, oh, yeah. the jail was not. <laughs> like for Christmas, we booked the Airbnb um, on the outskirts of Beijing. And it wasn't like in the bomb fucks of China, but it was definitely on, it was definitely in the outskirts. Like we was far, but where we was at was in a nice, nice, like these folks had money. Like we was in an area where folks that had money. I'm talking about, it wasn't like this big old extravagant multi-story house, but like far as just the property itself, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? The main building might have two floors, but everything else might be single floor, but like it's the whole construct of this property is like a big U. Like it's multiple builders making a big U and it's all boarded up. Yeah, so it was dope. Like, oh man, this is hard. Like, you got, you know what I'm saying? That building over there got rooms and stuff. This building over here got rooms and stuff. This building over here got rooms. It was, it was, it was lit. It was, it was definitely interesting um, to experience. Um, but that was as far out. And then when we went to the Great Wall, of course, um, that was as far out as we did go far as you know, like you like you're talking about like inland China, like out nah. Yeah. Man, I can you imagine going out there? That that sounds like a whole different experience because in Beijing, that's cap. So they're more you yeah. getting seeing foreigners. Now, if I take my if I would have been in the bumfucks China, oh man, ain't no telling <laughs> what that experience would have been. <laughs> they get interesting. They don't, they, they definitely don't come across foreigners. So it's like, oh, now I'm really sticking out like a sore thumb, my eyes on me. Um, folks, we're definitely going to be walking up to you, touching all on you, taking pictures with you. <laughs> you take a picture. Yeah. Well, they ask you if they can take a picture, but they just walk up to you with their phone out, taking a selfie of you. Here you go, sir, with you. <laughs> yeah, let's do this. Interesting, yeah. Celebrity. So, you know, that... 
it's a very different atmosphere over there when you're being booked into a jail and being, especially if you don't know what the hell's going on. No. So here you are, you're going through the loops. You're trying to get along to get the hell out of here when they arrest you. And finally you come to this cell number 208 and they say, get in there. And uh, you're just like, well, here I am finally. And you know, your true destination is possibly right here. What was that feeling like? Well, yeah. So once we, um, like we got to sell, when we, the CO got, we escorted me to the cell. He opened it. Instantly, my psych stalled for a loop at just what I see, how the cell is set up. Um, the cell is pretty much a huge rectangle. But I say 15 by 15 by 15. <laughs> Left with, wow. you know what I'm saying? Is it? And, um, yeah, I'm now stepping to the cell. Immediately in front of me are the beds, which are wooden planks. And they stretch out all the way to the back of the cell. It's like a little space from the cell door to the actual first bunk. So it's like a little space. And then that's when the bunks start. Um, but they go all the way to the back of the cell. So on these bunks, I see just, this is the huddle of body sleeping. Because it's like 4 o'clock in the morning at this point. Um, so I just see this huddle of body sleeping. Across from the huddle of bodies are two inmates standing against the wall, wide awake, watching them sleep. Now, with them being the few people that are awake, we make eye contact off the rip, and it's just this awkward moment of just confusion, because one, the last thing I expected to see was two motherfuckers watching people sleep, and the last thing these two <laughs> expected was this brother with locks come walking through this door. So, <laughs> okay, what's going on here? Like, what y'all got going? So, um... I take another step into the cell. CO closes the door behind me, and I'm just scoping the place out. I look to my left. That's the um, bathroom. This is all separate room, but the walls are made of glass so everybody in the cell can see inside. It's the sink, squat toilet, so pretty much a hole in the ground you squat over. And the shower holes were nothing but the water holes with a shower head duct tape to it. You got black mold coating the walls, flies and gnats and stuff flying around. So it's, it's not the most... Um, so I approached the slumber party, trying to find a spot to lie down. <laughs> One of the inmates that was taking a watch wakes me up. I wakes two inmates up to make room for me, and they do. So I set a bowl in my spoon up in a cubby up underneath the bunk, and I just lie down between two Chinese dudes on my back, and I set my hands on my chest, and I'm just staring up at the bright light on the ceiling. And that's when reality fully, fully kicked in. All right. We ain't here. <laughs> you here? <laughs> you don't know how long you finna be here. No, nothing has been explained to you as far as how this process works. Nobody knows you here. It's not looking too good right about now. It's, just, it's not looking, it's not looking. But hey, I got to hold myself accountable. You know what I mean? I can't blame nobody for me being in this situation but me. Um, and shit. I've been holding myself accountable this whole entire process up until this point. So it was just like, it's no point of continuing to cry over spilled milk. It is what it is. You know what I mean? What needs to happen in order for this process to speed up and for me to get up out of here? That's how my mind is working. Um, so I'm like, well, first thing first, people need to realize you're in here. And in order for that to happen, you gotta be 
come missing on people's radar. Well, you were supposed to meet friends today, but you know what I'm saying? You got arrested, so you didn't show up uh, to that event. Now, I'm sure they call, you ain't answer. Is that a red flag? Nah, it's weird though. But when I don't show up for uh, work Saturday and Sunday morning for my eight o'clock classes, our hell is breaking loose. Because one, they got to find somebody to cover my class last minute. And then two, one of the friends I was going to meet at that event the day I got locked up, me and her work at the same exact school. So I did show up at that event and I ain't showing up for work. And y'all call it and I ain't answering. All right, red flag, something's wrong. You know what I'm saying? And in addition to all of that, I had a girlfriend at the time that still lived in America, but we communicated uh, regularly. I said, well, I don't respond to two of her messages. That's another red flag. So I'm like, I know I'm going to have to sit through the weekend at least. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's Friday morning now. I'm going to have to sit throughout this weekend before I become missing on people's radar. But once that happens, the search for me will begin. But until then, hey, man, you're going to have to hold it down. <laughs> you're going to have to hold it down. Um, yeah. That was just hold my mind. That was my whole mindset uh, initially. Um, and then so, so with that, then, then you progress into it a little bit further. And the story of Bruce comes up. <laughs> so who is Bruce? Bruce is a very, very interesting character that I still don't even fully myself <laughs> to this day, even though he is a pivotal, he's a, a very important character within the book. Um, just because he has a crazy situation out of anybody. Um, and me, and ironically, me and him and I's situation was were similar as far as just being locked up in this facility and you yeah. not know who you're gonna be here. Literally, me and him were the only people at least from my knowledge. From the people with other foreigners I was able to interact with, me and him were the only two foreigners that had no clue how long we were going to be there. Everybody else was given a set date or like a set amount of days for them to serve. Now, does that mean you're going to do that that, that set amount of time and you're going to be released? No, you're still going to do some time afterwards. But at least you have an idea of how long you're going to be here. Me and him don't know in here. And from his uh, uh, his experience, he'd been here for damn near a whole year now. And he still don't know what's going on. Like, he's like me. It sounds like this is day one. <laughs> he's been here all 365. Yeah. So he's like, oh man, this is crazy. And he gives information of, you know what I'm saying, where, how you can find him and uh, who his, you know what I'm saying, who his wife was, where they lived, and, you know what I'm saying, all this information. But it's crazy because he gives his speech. He gives the same speech every morning. I have, I did not lay my eyes on this individual at all. I don't even know. That. Once I was released and, you know what I'm saying, I learned what he looked like from other foreigners that was there. But as far as my time there, I never saw him. Um, I only knew about him because every morning he would say the same speech from whatever window he was well, whatever cell he was in, he would shout out the window the same exact speech every single day. And like, yeah, every single day. And that's how, you know what I'm saying, I learned who Bruce was. And it's just like, man, this is crazy. And I even tried to, like, hang up, cuz out. Cuz, you know what I'm saying? I'm like, let me see. Cuz every time, like, he's, he gives the same speech every day, but it's crazy. Every time he gives, like, good, good information to actually, that would, could help you figure out who he is or find him on the internet. It was like I could not make out what he was saying. Like he used to say, My name is Bruce. And then every time he said his last name, for the life of me, I could not understand what he was saying. Or he would say, Where's what school his wife worked at? 
I could not make out what the name of the school was. Like anything that was very, very pivotal was like, well, I can't make out what this man is saying. It was like that throughout the whole course of the book. I even had a conversation with one of the um, officers, one of the COs. It's later on into the story. I had a conversation with one of the officers. And because was, I'll try to holler at Bruce. So I got in trouble for it. So he was asking me, me and him was just walking. He was like, you ain't trying to help uh, Mr. Da-da-da-da-da. I'm like, what? He said, Mr. Da-da-da-da. I'm like, I'm sorry, what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what are you talking about? He's like, the dude that's been yelling at the window. I was like, oh. Now I'm just having, I'm blown away. I'm like, bro, he just said this man's last name twice, bro. And for the life, I'm like, I don't know what this man, I couldn't make out what he was saying. So I'm like, yeah, bro, I ain't worried about Clearly, I I can't be worried about him, bro. One, I don't my my situation is just like he is, so I need to make sure I get up out of here. <laughs> One, and then two is like every, every time somebody says his last name or anything that's beneficial to helping you bridge that gap, my like, bro, the universe clearly does not want me to know this information. The universe doesn't want me to know this man's last name because for yeah. whatever reason, it's probably it's probably for my best benefit. Right. So I just left it alone. But yeah, Bruce is it was it was. It was now, that's kind of scary, no cap. <laughs> that's kind of scary. Bro, I can't lie. Like, for the life of me, I even tried. I'm like, yo, I'm holler at him. I get yelled at on the intercom to sit down, whoop, whoop, and every time I heard his man name, yeah. his name, I just like that. That is a very interesting story about Bruce that you definitely want the book for, so you can find out more about that. <laughs> because because there's a split moment there where you're like, oh. God, there's somebody there, and here I am in the same situation. You've got to think, oh, but well, you know, there's, there's, I'm I'm screwed. But and and I hope some because you just hope for the help that somebody knows that you ended up here because you've been shifted around so many times. Oh my God. So the moment Bruce hits the room is a pivotal moment in the book where, oh, Christ, here we go. And you really don't know at that point, oh, am I going to be the next Bruce yelling that, hey, you know, that's got to be one of the worst feelings in the whole world. I'm silly, and it was, hell, he was so stressed just in his speech. Yeah. You can hear, you can hear it. You know what I mean? Well, this man. You're in communist China prison at this point, and it's like, oh, God, why China? You know, but China, it's an interesting place, and a lot of people wonder about it. It yes. sent you on a journey that gave you a wonderful book. And the book, the artwork on it with, the mask and the handcuffs and all of that. Talk to us about what inspired that and why that background for the book. That's yeah. For, I was because man, that's a great question. Because once I was going through the editing phase of the book, and I'm like, okay, now I got to come up with a cover. What? I don't even know how. I don't even go about the cover to look. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. Yeah. the original idea I had, like I was, I was. At school, I was drawing it. I took a piece of uh, printer paper. I just started drawing, um, sketching out how I wanted the book to look. And originally, I drew my torso, like the torso of my body with the uniform jacket 
that I had that we had to wear. So I drew it out and colored it and everything. So it's gonna be just a picture of my torso with the jacket over it, and then of course the title across my chest. And that's and that's the original idea I came up with. And I was just showing it to people like, oh yeah, that's hard, it's hard. I showed it to my brother. He was like, you know what I'm saying? He didn't like really say it was fire. Like he liked it enough. He was like, he saw. He's like, okay, I see what you're going. I feel like it'll be harder if it was an actual picture. Even. As soon as he said that, I'm like, that would be awesome. But I'm like, how? I'm like, bro, I don't even know. I can't, I need that jacket in order for me to do that. But I can't get that jacket. That jacket is, <laughs> it was in Beijing Jail 6. I'm like, I don't even know how I'm going. So I just, I'm just brainstorming. I'm like, I, I have to recreate the jacket. I'm like, I got to figure out the material. I got to find out, um, at least find a jacket that had the similar material that the, yeah. <laughs> to the one that we wore in Beijing Jail 6. And ironically, my brother had a Dickies jacket. You know what I'm saying? In his closet. Yeah. And I was just looking at the jacket. And I'm just like, hold on, bro. I'm feeling it. Look at the, I opened up the inside. I'm like, bro, this is the exact. <laughs> I'm like, this is how the jacket felt on the outside. This is how it was on the inside. Only difference was the jacket was Velcro in the jail versus it being a zipper. That's the only difference. So I'm like, oh, yeah. This is it. So I just went on Dickie's uh, website and ordered. I'm looking at the colors they had. They had like a teal blue one. That's the only blue one they had. So I ordered it. Um, it came and I had one of my partners I played football with in college. His girlfriend, she's an artist. She's stylist, fashion designer. She's phenomenal. So I gave her the jacket and gave her the sketch I drew. It was like, this is what I came up with. But the jacket is like, all you got to do is paint the top half yellow, put some red Chinese characters. These are the characters that need to be on there on the chest plate and across the back. And this is the logo. While I was locked up, I came up with uh, what would be my brand logo for Cole Publications. I came up with it while I was in there. I was like, this is my logo I came up with while I was in there. Try to throw that on there on the jacket as well. So gave her gave her everything that I, I needed. I'd say a couple of days later, she had me to come, uh, come look at it. And I saw that thing and it looked exactly like the jacket I wore for 14 days. Really awesome. And I was just like, I was like, oh yeah, this is gonna go crazy. <laughs> I said, this is gonna go so crazy. So then I just hit up one of my uh, good friends I grew up with as a photographer out here in Atlanta, one of the sharpest shooters in Atlanta, Gabo. Um, so we set up an appointment at Camp Kirk Studio. And yeah, we just did a whole photo shoot. Just me in the jacket, I had my ball handcuffs. Um, I bought him face masks. It was crazy how I got the idea for face masks. We was, uh, I was trying to get ready to go into the club. <laughs> I was standing in line and one of the security guards had on um, a face mask. The same as that one I had on the cover. I saw that and then when I saw his, it reminded me of the face mask I had in China. Mine was just like that. I was like, oh. I'm like, well, if I had a face mask on that book cover, that'd go even harder. So I'm like, all right, bet. I asked yeah. him, who get your mask from? He said, Amazon. All right, bet. Found it, ordered it. So I had the mask on, put the handcuffs on. And now this is a photo shoot. And I'm just posing, doing different strikes and poses. And we collected by like 30 something. We had like 30 some pictures. And out of that 30, you know what I mean? You know what I'm saying? Of course, I chose the best ones to use to promote and uh, yeah. use as book covers. But ideally, that's how we captured. Um, that book cover. And essentially, it was just to recreate uh, my mugshot. It's yeah, just... and, and it, it it creates a feeling of wow, yeah. what the hell, <laughs> you know? Because uh, the mind wanders, 
Uh, nobody knows what happens in a foreign place. Look at Bruce, you know. <laughs> so uh, you've got other books. You love and you learn. You say, and another real love never dies. What were the inspiration behind those two, and what are the meaning behind those? In sure. Um, so inspiration, I received quite a few different um, inspirations to start that book. First one, I mean, the very first, same person that inspired me to write 14 Days, one of my partners I grew up with um, out here, he was a published author before we graduated high school in 2014. Um, he put the bug in my ear to write 14 days. And then once 14 days was going crazy, he was like, hey, but you need to write the romance story. I'm like, eh, nah, I don't really know about that. And then time passes and as more people are reading the book. And of course, I'm having success. So I'm meeting a lot more people and a lot more women. So the women that's reading the book, um, I had, like I said, I had a girlfriend at the time. So I talk about her all throughout the book, but I don't actually get to speak to her while I'm incarcerated. And then once I'm at the end of the book, I'm released and that's the end. So they was like, okay, well, so what's up with you old girl? Uh, you talk about her all throughout the book, but you know what I'm saying? You don't get to speak to it. And then once you get out, that's the end. Like, well, what's up with that T? How do y'all play out? Well, how that story plays? And they want to know about me. Right. Another uh, inspiration. And, but really what was the, the selling point? It was when I was uh, doing market research and, um, was just looking up the best-selling genres. So when I saw romance at the top, it was no if ands really. That's all. That's all the motivation I needed. Then, so I saw that's yeah. Hey, my partner with me. Let's hey, boy, send me a blueprint. I mean, uh, send me an outline. <laughs> send me an outline for the rom. I just took it around with it, and um, pretty much. Oh, that's cool. It's all one long. It's a series. Just all three books. It's a series. It's telling one long story. Um, right on. The romance part is just pretty much. Uh, a man's first step towards gaining emotional intelligence. So you love, you learn gives the prequel of, you know what I'm saying, before China, before all that, me and her first met and throughout college and then um, Real Love Never Dies picks up uh, once I graduate and now I'm in China and everything. It also touches on just what my experiences, uh, just some certain experiences I had in China that you don't really get to know about or learn about in 14 days. Um, so. Real Love Never Dies incorporates just some behind the scenes stuff that I was doing before getting locked up. And then of course, what took place after I was released and, you know what I'm saying, and deported from the country once I was stepped back, stepped foot back on American soil, it picks up after, you know what I'm saying, picks up after all of that. Um, so it's pretty much just all one long story essentially, but you know what I'm saying, just different tones, <laughs> completely. Yeah. Man, interesting. That's that's awesome marketing right there too. So, how did your communication and media what what is it media studies degree help you? Oh, creating this, man. I just say it. Just far as like everything is communication. Everything uh, you, you you think about it, everything, um, and it it doesn't have to be verbal. So not. Even just body language can is a form of communication without you even speaking. Um, so really wanting to capture um the attention of somebody that don't know who I am and just came across they just see this 14 days Beijing. What the hell? Okay, what is this right? One, the name is captivating. And then the cover is just like yeah. he I remember when I first started. 
like when I first started promoting 14 Days, all I did was just change my uh, social media profile information, like my bio, my profile pictures, everything. That's all I did. And I just geared it towards 14 Days. I just themed it 14 Days. Yeah. I didn't say what it was, what 14 Days of Beijing was, none of that. I just changed all the information. And just with me doing that, that's when it just started to, the momentum started to build right then and there. I'm talking about the very next day. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Uh, you know, you change your profile picture on Facebook, get uh, posted, you know what I'm saying, as a, like, oh, look at his Chance's new profile picture. Same with Twitter. So the feed's just going crazy. Just for me, I'm, my profile visit is going up just because I didn't changed. Yeah. Well, I just changed the theme of my profiles. That's it. I ain't post nothing yet. I just changed the theme. But just that name interesting. Images was just so captivating. Yeah. You know, I, I put I put everything I love into it. I put a lot of energy into it. Like I really wanted to, yeah, I wanted to, as you when you read the book, you were it's like you are going through that experience. It's you going through yeah, it, it's through Lucky's eyes, but you know what I'm saying? You feel like it's you. You know what I mean? So it's just really just, you know what I'm saying, communicate and <laughs> what took place um, and really submerging you in that journey. You know what I'm saying? So it feel like yeah. you say you get a firsthand experience through what you know what I'm saying, just from uh, uh just reading this novel. You know what I mean? And yeah, my just, <laughs> just now now you tempted me with the lucky. Now yeah. people have to know what you mean by who Lucky is. Oh, yeah. So would you explain the Lucky and how you got that nickname? For sure. So Lucky is, I, you know what I'm saying, of course, it's this 14 Days is based on a true story, my story, but I made it to where Lucky, me, I'm, I'm the character. Lucky is his own person. Um, it's the character within the story um, that you're learning through. So, and how I came up with Lucky, that was, I was dead ass going by Lucky while I was out there. I wanted to come up with an alias. Cause I'm like, Damn, I don't want to be going to ask my government name out here. So I'm like, What's, I need a, a nickname that ain't no nickname that I got at home already to go by out here. And Lucky just kept coming to <laughs> my mind. And it's funny how like, and the only reason why it kept coming to my mind, cause I kept thinking of this one time I overheard my brother on the phone with some females and they kept calling him Lucky, Lucky, Lucky. I'm like, who are they, who are they talking to? Like, we have never called this man that. So that's why I'm like, okay, he just gave him that name. Just, that was just a bullshit name he gave him folks. <laughs> so, but so it was just funny. I did a whole scenario replaying in my head. So I'm like, all right, bitch, I'm just going to go with Lucky. And Lucky, I, that was, folks was really calling me that. Like, I was, I was lucky out there. Um, <laughs> So essentially, um, it, it really, China was, China, I equated China the entire time out there. I'm like, bro, this doesn't feel real. Like this whole experience doesn't feel real, bro. Like, I feel like we're on a TV show. I feel like this is a part of like some type of movie or like even like being in, like we in public settings, I'm just sitting back and just stole the place. I'm like, bro, this don't even seem real, bro. Like, <laughs> TV show say about Like, I, I feel like this, this is mind-boggling. I feel like we're just college students and we are a part of this program. Like, this doesn't feel like reality. It never, knowledge, trying to even feel like reality at all for me. Um, so once, you know what I'm saying, getting locked in. So after getting locked up and getting released and writing the book, I'm like, it still felt like, yeah, this shit felt like a movie. 
even especially getting locked up, that really felt like a movie. So it's just like, yeah, bro, I'm a, <laughs> I'm just gonna make because it ain't like this China that that shit from China follow me anywhere. If I didn't write this book, bro, people y'all wouldn't even know this shit happened. Y'all wouldn't know who I am. Yeah. If I, you know what I'm saying, write this book. So essentially, it was that whole experience in China was just an experience. I got a full experience of China. Since right. So I'm like, right. really, I'm like, man, this is a lucky journey. This is a lucky journey. So, and it, it was a lucky journey because this shit could have been a whole lot worse. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It was, it was just, it was just perfect. Like, lucky, I bet, lucky chance. You know what I mean? Who we going to call it? Yeah. It fits. That's for sure. <laughs> so, so is there an audio book, the full length audio book? World. Um, not yet. I'm just rolling it out episodically. You know what I'm saying? On, uh, See, Spotify, yeah. Apple Podcasts, Anchor, SoundCloud, YouTube. Yeah, I'm just uh, yeah, released episodically like that. You know what I'm saying? Originally, how I released that's hard. Yeah, that's hardcore. I mean, that that's good, and, and you know the narration of it. You did the narration, sure. but there's other voices in there. Didn't yeah. you? enhance that through the DAW or how did that work and talk to us about the process of narrating that because it's totally awesome. Appreciate you. I appreciate that. Um, yeah, I knew I wasn't going to let nobody else read this story. I'm like, Hey, nobody else. Yeah. Read yeah. No, no shit, man. I got to read. I have to read it. You know what I'm saying? So, and cause it's from my perspective. So you know, it's, it's one thing if you know me personally. And that's why a lot of people that I know, that I know that read the book loved it. Cause like, bro, we know you. So it's like, when I'm reading this, bro, I read it in your voice and your little context. Like I hear you. And you know, so it's just, uh, uh, that's what makes them. That's what you know what I'm saying. That's why I did. Um, but for those that don't know me, you reading it and you don't know my tone of voice. You don't know how, you know what I'm saying? My dialect, none of that. It's like, you don't really know how I would go about saying certain things. You were just reading it in your own tongue, and it's like, okay, that might right. might reread over it, or you know what I'm saying? Because you're just not knowing. So I'm like, let me read it to my. I'm gonna read it, um, just so they can know how I'm delivering. You know what I'm saying? The message and how when you know what I'm saying, you can really feel every emotion. <laughs> that ain't right. That's right. And then with um the different characters, that's me voice acting. I'm just voice acting um and the my engineer he's voice acting some of the characters it's just us two voice acting the character the rest of the characters right on yeah yeah same yeah you know what I'm that's just our voice is naturally and us doing funky stuff with it <laughs> so. yeah yeah that's good you know it really sells the story it's yeah. it's it's so enhancing because of the differences and there's three of you talking in the room and there's a different voice for each voice it's just awesome i wanted to take all the time well yes i wanted it to be definitely theatrical then that's why i guess that communication piece comes back in i really wanted yes there's one thing to put it on paper okay this is a form of communication but if you like i said if you don't know me personally how can i communicate truly how you know what i'm saying my was and all the feeling and the emotions behind it I can't really display that in the writing per se, but now that I can actually read it out to y'all. Uh, oh yeah, you're gonna feel it, you're gonna feel it for sure, for sure. Yeah, and you do, that's for sure. Oh yeah, yeah. And well done. I was high out of my mind. 
reading the first chapter because I that first chapter one I was high when the shit happens. I'm like I gotta be I have to be crossfaded because I was crossfaded when all that shit popped off. So <laughs> definitely I had to put I had to put myself back into that setting all of that. Um, and I knew I wanted to be I just wanted to be theatrical. I like I want this shit to sound like you done went to the movie theater with a blindfold on like you. I, I wanted to be like that for sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> It's captivating, it pulls you in, and it makes you, oh, wow, what's about to happen? It it really does touch it off and enhances how you did that audio. I I highly recommend getting that on on the big boys' platforms because that's going to sell good. You know, I I want a copy of it because (laughs) listening to it, listening to it sure does like you said, it just feels more real. Mm-hmm. And, and I like that perspective thing. What what else do you have coming, Chancellor, for people? And do you have more books, Whoa. writing books? You, you really didn't want to write books, per se, but here you are, and, and it's fascinating. I mean, so um, after I wrote 14 Days, I thought, I'm like, okay, this is going to be the last, like, this is going to be my only book. I'm like, I'm out of gas. Like, I really, I'm like, I don't know anything else to write about aside from this, but then some months passed and I ended up writing the romance soccer. So it's like, clearly I'm like, okay, I'm going to be writing for the rest of my life. Um, And I, all my books as of right now, just based off of life experiences. Um, So... I just, as a writer now, I don't really have anything else that I feel like is book worthy to write about. Um, but she, we never know, knowing me, <laughs> never know what might happen. Um, but I started working with other people that aspire to be authors that have ideas as far as a story, but don't know how to get it on paper. Already wrote a whole book, don't even know how to go about publishing it. So I've just been working with um, individuals like that. Um, and I'm really trying to build a service uh, with it, you know what I'm saying? Just coaching aspiring authors, for real, for real. And I had one client yeah. in particular, we really just set his up and set his book up on Amazon. His, when I say this man, it's called The Fatherless Child. Um, it's pretty much his experience uh, growing up in Mississippi and being molested before the age of 10 by another, you know what I'm saying, kid. And he got molested twice. And just pretty much how that whole experience just shifted his paradigm and him and it's going to be a series as well and how all his life experiences from that one traumatic one, you know what I'm saying, has transformed him into who he is now and being a part of the LGBTQ community. Though I say this book is hard, like this book is, like I, I enjoyed editing this book so much and I can't wait for it to drop. And you know what I'm saying? It was very well written. Um, and it's a very captivating and just beautiful story as well. Like it's, it, 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 it's a great read. I, I can't wait for that to drop. So that's really just what I'm on right now. Just helping other people turn their, you know what I'm saying, dreams into reality. Yeah. Sounds like you've got a publication and production company. That's, that's awesome. And when, you know, that, that's something to really aspire that, that helping others tell their story because there's a lot of good stories and people are ashamed or afraid. And then you said it earlier in our conversation, that communication, that's key to life. And if you don't communicate, you're going to hold it in. And that, that sucks. Yeah. So 
You never know how many people inspire or help out. You know what I'm saying? Just me, right. me writing my story about getting locked up, this crazy story, that, that'll probably, you know what I'm saying, shame most people. Most people be ashamed, yeah. you know what I'm saying, some shit like that happening to them. So they'll just bury it, like you said. But, you know what I'm saying, me embracing it. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm telling the story, and now it's trying to, and then it got the feedback that it did. Now people are like, oh, damn. <laughs> like, was it? Let me see. Yeah, bro. Yeah, we all we all have stories. We get to teach each other a lot. Yeah, that's right. And that's what I'm about. I, I love stories because everybody has them. And you never know where that story is going to lead you, what it's going to teach you. Or it could save somebody's life. Yeah. Making the right decision about, do I want to do this in Beijing? <laughs> you know? Oh, me. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah the the really art here is connection communication and storytelling and you do it very well and i appreciate it and i want to say thank you do you have a call to action for our listeners um yeah i say well you i definitely get y'all copies of 14 Days in Beijing, of course, tap in. You can find 14 Days in Beijing on my uh, website, chancellorkjackson.com, or Amazon, or you can listen to a little bit of audiobook on SoundCloud, YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Anchor. Yeah, I think that was it. But all in all, I just want to leave everybody with a quote, most importantly. Um, I just like to allow people to reflect and um, just self-evaluate. And because I feel like that's, if anything I can leave y'all with is, you know what I'm saying, is that for you to just contemplate on something and reflect on you and your journey so you can better yourself moving forward. So the quote is, the quote is, is long-winded, running through this life like it was mine. Never settling, but setting every goal high. 1,000 burpees on the path to my own self-destruction or success. But what's a mistake without the lesson? You see, the best teacher in life is your own experience. None of us know who we are until we fail. They say every person is defined in reaction to any given situation. So who would you want to define you? Someone else or yourself? Whatever you choose to do, homie, keep your heart to it and stay strong. Yeah, that's cool. Awesome. You know, and owning up to your shit, that that's really meaningful and you find your true meaning your true path and you end that self-destructive rhythm that we all tend to get into once in a while that dead in america feeling mm -hmm. so how can people find you get involved with you and hook up with you oh yeah so man y'all I'm on every social media platform except for TikTok. That's too new school for me. I ain't on that just yet. But I'm on, I'm on everything else. Just Google Chancellor K. Jackson. Just Google my name. All my social media pop, uh, platforms pop up. My website. Other interviews I've done. Um, yeah, you'll find everything you need right there. Google 14 Days Beijing to find your copies. Um, get your copies as well. Um, but yeah, man, I'm, yeah, it ain't hard to find. Just Google. Awesome. You know, you're a powerful story, and it's going to change a lot of lives. I I wish you a lot of 
wealth and luck. So, uh, you know, <laughs> this, this is a good story and people really need to look into it. I want to say thank you for being part of the Dead America podcast today. Hey, man, appreciate you for having me, Ed, and shout out to all y'all for listening, man. Thank you for joining us today. If you found this podcast enlightening, entertaining, educational in any way, please share, like, subscribe, and join us right back here next week for another great episode of Dead America Podcast. I'm Ed Waters, your host. Enjoy your afternoon wherever you may be.